I could hear I could hear the book, you know, I could hear the the battles and the I'm going in as a tank, Keith. Okay, well I'll give you a quick buff, mate. Someone's barbecue fork. You know, and I was, it was I'm getting tingles singing about it. Like those characters, Chris, are right in right there in my head. The whole, you know, the the um the gap year six, they're like just nugget just comes to me straight away. He's my favourite character, so Okay, and welcome to another episode of Lit RPG Banter. Your source for Lit RPG gamelet cultivation and progression banter. Today I am just stoked to be sitting down with Chris Miller. Chris is a audiobook narrator. He is the guy I tried to explain Lit RPG to for the first time, and he has absolutely smashed it since. Chris is also used to doing voiceovers here in Australia. He is the director at bookclubaudio.com and a man of many talents. Chris, welcome to the show. G'day, Chris. Thanks for having me. No problems, and thank you for putting up with all the tech issues on my end. You are a legend, and uh, <laughs> we'll show the audience your crystal clear audio quality in a sample at the end, I think. Oh, thanks, mate. Well, I'm, uh, I'm actually just going through my phone because I've had uh, technical issues as well. It's one of those things, isn't it? It so is. We managed to get that. And uh, I'm not an optist, but it's been that kind of week. Um, <laughs> So, Chris, uh, I, I was very excited to have you on the show. As I said, I, I independently published my Aussie Minor Apocalypse books and I went on Find Away Voices. And the task when you go through that sort of broker is to pick someone out of thousands of potential narrators who may or may not get what Lit RPG is. And I threw it to you because I liked your profile, I liked your previous work, and you took to it like a duck to water. Just give me an idea of what that was like first being introduced to the lit RPG genre. How did you come at that? Mm. Well, it was, um, you know, I was a computer gamer from back when I was, you know, the original Commodore 64 and playing, uh, and even some text-based text games back in the day. And then uh, that progressed to like, you know, the Super Nintendo and but then it was all like Street Fighter and that kind of stuff. But I, I uh, always loved also Choose Your Own Adventure books, played a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons and dice-based games when I was a kid, so I had a little bit of an insight. Um, it, it really wasn't until after I'd done the first three books that I started actually watching live streaming um, gamers, and I never really never really saw much interest in it, and I was like, people are watching people playing computer games, really? But then, um, and it's, but then I just got hooked on it, you know? Um, so... When it was really interesting when I first started uh, re doing Aussie Mana Apocalypse, the first one, um, I kept, I was probably about three or four chapters in, and I could, I could hear all these, I could hear, I could hear the book, you know, I could hear the, the battles and the, you know, like, um, uh, you know, uh, I'm going in as a tank, Keith. Okay, well, I'll give you a quick buff, mate. Someone's barbecue fork, you know, and I was, it was, I'm getting tingles singing about it. Like those characters, Chris, are right in right there in my head. The whole, you know, the the um, the gap year six, they're like just nugget just comes to me straight away. He's my favourite character. So I was about three or four chapters in, and it was the big uh, when Keith and Nugget and everyone are coming in to poison the the goblins. Um, it's yeah, stew, I know you know. Better. I know that. Better. Dinner's ready. Dinner's ready. Come get your, you know, come get your fix. <laughs> And, I, and uh, when they when they poisoned the uh, the goblins' food, and then they all go into this major vomiting fest, I just 
I just went, oh, look, I'm going to go for this. And I just started making all the noises of all the, all the goblins. Oh, my stomach churns. Oh, what you, <laughs> you know, I'm going to spew. And it just became an absolute cacophony. And I was like, this is cool. But then it dawned on me. I was like, oh, if I do this for one chapter, I'm going to have to do this for all chapters. And I, <laughs> I kind of created this massive amount of work. And, um, but it was, it was just, it was so much fun, you know, and the, I mean, the first one was, I just, I loved a lot of them. The first one was, um, you know, I was still finding my way and, and I know it was for some listeners, it was kind of, it was a bit polarizing, wasn't it? To have some, you know, people like, oh, just take the, the sound effects out. And others were like, I love the sound effects, but, um, it just like being trapped in this little booth, but with all this, you know. Oh, it's it's quite a hard. I've never done anything like it, Chris. So to me, it was the most amazing opportunity. And then to keep doing your other books afterwards, and then with Stagger Home, which we you made the choice, no sound effects, because it was a ten-hour long novel. It kind of we kind of matured the three. You know, we'd gone from this kind of uh, you know sort of madness and and uh, of, of wild energy and, and battles and all this sort of stuff. And then to take that away to make it a really uh, like a long form novel, but with all of that experience from and, and building of characters, it just the, the journey was epic, mate. So I can't, I actually can't thank you enough. I'm really grateful for it. Appreciate that, Chris. And you're right, it is the Wild West still a little. People are still working out what works in the RPG. Uh, you've got mm. everyone going from, yeah, differing models. People are trying things like old radio operas. People are trying sound effects. People. Still, really don't know how to cater to subgenres in the lit RPG space. So it is, it is mm. really fun and exciting to explore. I think, uh, and the demand. Like, I mean, every day there's six new novels up on Royal Road that need someone to narrate or someone to produce. It's gone crazy. Like back in back when I put my book out, I was very fortunate in that there weren't that many people. But now it is not saturated, but bloody intense. There's <laughs> a lot mm. of lit RPG out there. I think the uh, Nugget's my favourite character too. He's a combination of three mates I have from college. Who, um, yeah. Uh, but anyway, tell me, tell me about what you do. Tell me about Book Club Audio because that's a very exciting project you're working on. Oh yeah, it is. It's um, well, I've, so you know, I, it was pretty really. COVID was the incubator for for, um, for audio books for me. Like uh, I'd always done voiceovers, but just pre-COVID, I um, I thought. Well, you know, I'm always getting I'm getting invited to other people's studios to do commercial work. I was like, well, let's set up let's set up a home studio and and really double down on this because I'm, I'm an actor as well. So I was like, and then lockdowns hit, and I was, so I did that pre-lockdown, and then I had this voiceover set up. So I was like, let's let's um, just double and triple down, and then um, and I start I'd done a couple of audio books, but then I'd done a I did a trilogy, and then I um, of uh, an audio of, of a drama. And then you got in touch with me, and it, so I shifted from doing drama to doing lit RPG and, and comic uh, character voices. And then by the time COVID was over, I had 20 audiobooks done, and I was like, uh, oh, and then I got my first royalty check from Audible, thinking it was going to be, you know, you butte, and it was like, well, this is a bit thin. So I was like, how can I create oh, something? Oh yeah, everyone's felt that. Oh mate, that. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it, you know. And no, I'm not going to bag. Audible, you know, or any of the big the big platforms, but because of their subscription services and et cetera, and you know, ninety nine cents for your first two months or two audiobooks free or whatever it might be, it does whittle the 
creators' royalties down to cents in the dollar and getting that first royalty check, it's exciting to get a um you know, to to get royalties and it's like, oh look at look at this, bit of passive income, beauty. Um but it's like we can do better well we authors should be getting more. Creatives should be getting more. So probably a bit naively I set up um I started building Book Club Audio as a as an Australian audio book marketplace. Um, because I also found that there was a barrier to entry for Australians because they have to go through a third party distributor like Findaway Voices, et cetera, to first before you can get it up to the big platforms. And of course, they take their little chunk along the way as well. So I just started with my audio books. Um, but then I realized that some, some of the audio books were on Audible and they're under exclusive agreements. For example, like your books. So I can't sell them, but I can have them listed on the site and link over to Audible to drive traffic over that way which means we hopefully get more more royalties. And then I can sell the other audio books that I've got non-exclusive agreements uh, and split the, the ticket price 50-50. So whatever it says on the on the page, on the on the uh, on the product page, the um, narrator gets 50% of that. And of course, when I launched December 1st last year, I thought it was going to go gangbusters and I was writing KPIs and you know, thousands of sales a month, uh, and it was that was a really professional document. Like you, you showed me that, and I was actually really impressed by your business notion. Small business is a bloody tough gig. I, I mm. you know, I was actually quite impressed with that. Oh, thanks, thanks, Chris, mate. I really, I really appreciate that. Um, well, I ended up doing the New Enterprise Incentive Scheme, which is the government-run business training. So they saw merit in the in the idea and also luckily one of the guys who was running it um what was his name uh oh it escapes me lovely lovely guy he'd recognized me from a tv commercial on telly so he was just like oh mate whatever you want to do we'll sign you up um what TV got, you how many commercials oh yeah like what, what have you advertised i think your trailer was for um I, there was a fast food trailer and it's part of your portfolio i can't remember what exactly yeah, that was the uh, I was the used car salesman in a Red Rooster commercial for the Ripper Rapper role, and uh, that actually got you know the, the dodgy used used car salesman. You know, like oh, it's hard to explain, but just being a whacker on in, on set, and uh, that particular ad got nominated for you know best ad for that year or something like that. So um, I've done a done a few really cool advertising campaigns, which are, end up feeling more like short films. You know, just you got to. Well, one, you've got to pay the rent, always, you know, and uh, two, doing these quirky things that'll just get, you know, you've got to get eyeballs these days. And uh, I'm not one for the, you know, Instagram influencing and all that kind of stuff. It's, that's, a, that's a really hard slog. But, um, I'll do, yeah, I've done all, all kinds of stuff. But then, of course, the, the theatre work. I've done over 50 theatre shows in Sydney. Uh, just finished um, a show called Dead House, which is like 1920s Razor War. Um, immersive theatre through a crypt underneath the um, underneath the the tunnels underneath Hyde Park in the city of Sydney, which is really cool. So I've, I've got I I am exceptionally grateful. I live a pretty creative life life, and uh, took a long time to get there. But um, basically, every day is a different creative creative thing. You know, does that answer the question? Yeah, that's magnificent, and I, I think that's fantastic. I've always wanted to write something about those tunnels under the city because there's some great myths about, you know, 
a monster that lurks there and the convict history is fascinating stuff. I've never got the time. I don't know when I will have the time. Uh, I've got a kid coming in January, so everything has slowed down for me, unfortunately. Mm. But oh, I would well, like to visit that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And you got yourself um, a little Capricorn by the sound of it. Yep, so uh, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think that's a magnificent set of credentials. And I'm going to embarrass you and read some of the uh, quotes that are on the internet for you. Uh, the Daily Telegraph says that Miller is an explosive force of nature. His energy knows no bounds from the buzz and an exhilarating performance from Susie Wong. And I think you deliver on that with each of your performances. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about was you mentioned NFTs. Tell me about that. That's a fascinating topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, here's the interesting thing, right? So I've got, I've got all these audio books and they're available for digital download. Now, the next phase of the business is to go to streaming. But to, to do that, I've got to create an app for both uh, Apple Play Store and Google Play Store. Now, that's, that's in the range of between 20 to 60,000 per, per app, per store. And uh, we're not there yet. Now, also, if you do have an app on those Play Stores, they take 30% of any in-app purchase. So if I sell one audiobook, they're going to take 30% straight off the top. It's like, come on, where can you go where you're not going to get hammered with fees? So I've first looked at Audible's business model, and they actually kick you out of the app to go buy a credit on their website to then go spend that credit back in store on, on, on the app. So they actually circumvent that 30% uh, in-app purchase. And I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. And, I was, and I'd, I'd um, really looked into... You know, I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, NFTs really went off, and then the taste in the uh, in the in, in the consumer's mouth soured because of um, them just being seen as useless JPEGs worth millions of dollars. And it's like, well, hang on, there's a utility here, right? The uh, I guess for anyone out there in podcast land who doesn't know what an NFT is, I'll. I'll this is the simplest way I can put it. You know, like you go to the footy and you want a uh, sausage and, a, and a, uh, a tin of drink. And you go up to the guy and you go, G'day, mate, can I get a sausage and a, and a tin of drink? I've got some cash. And he goes, oh, no, 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 you've got to go over to Dave. He'll sell you a raffle ticket. And then you can bring the raffle ticket over to me and that'll get you a can of drink. And so, well, can I give you cash? Oh, oh well, it's just, you know, we're not dealing with the cash. You've got to buy the raffle tickets. It's like, Everyone knows that. They've all, you know, been to the footy and had that or, or wherever and had that experience. So the idea is you go buy this ticket, you go over to the sausage and can of drink guy and he goes, oh, you got that ticket? Oh, yeah, number 42, that's you. And it's now, you're verified. So that's kind of like, I like the, the idea of that utility. I was like, okay. So then I jumped on the chat GPT when it first came out and I said, what is the most efficient way to provide Loctite copyright and, and, pir and protect piracy, authors from piracy. And it sent me down this huge rabbit hole of, well, you could use NFT token gating to verify a user. So if they've got the, the ticket, they can get the audio book and they're connected to it by a, a, what's called a smart contract, which is all, which is all set up in, in Web3 and on the blockchain, which is uh, basically a whole bunch of computers all working together in a decentralized fashion to um, authenticate that purchase. 
And I was like, well, that's a that sounds pretty uh that sounds more secure than just me um uh sending off a digital download to someone because a, a few of the authors are re were really concerned about piracy and I was like, well, that's that's exceptionally important. So I was like, how am I going to do this and not make it look like it's you know, it's, it's just a, a cash grab or what they call a pump and dump in the um in the in the crypto world. So I uh, created what's called the Book Club Audio NFT library card. And then, so that's like one of 500. So it's still reasonably limited, but kept at a lower price. And then took all the book covers, turned them into one of 100 book cover limited editions, kind of bring back that idea of the limited edition um, uh, book, you know, like the first Harry Potter. Book one of edition one is worth millions, right? Because it's... Um, it's scarce. Oh, yeah. There's but a whole art in uh, identifying those early ones. Like, there's very specific errors. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, exactly. So I was like, how do I apply this to Book Club Audio? Now, I've set, I've set it all up, and now it's about actually integrating because I've got an e-commerce store for the, for the audio books, and now I've got um, these, these basically audio and NF, NFTs as um, authentic, well, collectible a collectible audio security, I'd almost call it. So um, I, only a few weeks ago, I went to a, uh, it was Art Meets Technology. It was all a Wollongong University alumni at um, Carriage Works. And I was there to learn, right? Because it's a very complex uh, area of technology. And I'm, you know, I'm just a kid from Port Macquarie that grew up on the riverbank catching mud crabs, mate. You know what I mean? Like, so I oh, cooked my brain. Port Macquarie? Yeah. Yeah, over the ferry. No, on the, I, I worked um, there for like four years when I was training. Really? Yeah, I did. Um, I worked at one of the GP centres and then I did ED work at uh, the, the local hospital and well at, at Kempsey. Uh, Kempsey's a fun place. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I worked at Macca's in Port Macquarie and every now and again we go work at Kempsey uh, Macca's or Taree Macca's. So I know the, know the spot. But that's Kempsey, awesome, mate. Uh, See? Kim, Port Macquarie Macca's is exactly the only place open for coffee at 12 o'clock on a Christmas night shift. So, uh, <laughs> there you go. Wow. It. So where do you live in Port? Uh, over near, I'm going to butcher the name here. I was beach adjacent near, I think it was Soldiers. What are the big beaches? It wasn't Lighthouse. It was in between Lighthouse and Main Beach near the River Mouth. Yeah, Shelly Beach, Flynn's yeah, Beach, Shelly Beach. Beach. Uh, in between Shelly and Flynn's, close to Flynn's. Yeah, yeah that's a beautiful so, spot. Yeah, I stayed at, um, there was this, I hesitate to call it a resort, but it was it was like a, a mass rental place where they had uh, communal pools and stuff. It was, it was quite cheap, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. was struggling at that stage. Well, it's, it's now booming. And you've you've travelled all around because I uh, for people in podcast land I narrated your um, your doctor self help book how to be an uh, be an awesome GP I love that book too that was so cool but you've you've been all around you've just followed is it did you just follow the work or was it like big adventure or was it like oh off we go again or how, how was that for you so there's a couple of things I did this scholarship which basically government paid for a lot of my uni. And in return, I do a certain number of years of service in the country. I'm from the country down South Coast Way anyway. So I thought it was a, a ripper scheme. I did that. So I sort of finished 
uh, up in Albury, then I went to Tweed Heads, which is not rural, but counts under the scheme because of New South Wales border limits. And then went to Port Macquarie, went to uh, Lothian, Queensland, and went out to Kiama after that. A few places locoming, and then settled back in Sydney once we got my wife a job, and it, it went really well. Like, I enjoyed it. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and there's certainly work to be done in, in rural and remote New South Wales for any medical professional or allied health professional. Uh, but for us, the uh, right move in the end was to move to Sydney. The mm. advantage of that, you, I mean, you've probably seen in my writing, like a lot of the characters are based on people I've met over that time of travel and the locations are similarly over that time of travel. Uh, I, I use that to create the scenes. The book you mentioned, Be an Awesome GP, what, draws a bit from that. So there's, there's some mentions of some of my old mentors in there who did really contribute to my career. And, yeah, you did a bang-up job on that one as well. I sort of thought, oh, man, who do I get to do a medical textbook? Because I'd done, what, like four audiobooks at that point, a number of e-books, and writing a medical text is far different. Like, I thought I'd been up the learning curve and I was practised, but I wasn't. Like, that's a whole new set of legal stuff. It's a whole new set of how do you market that. And to be honest, that's... The audiobook sales for that are okay. The ebook sales for that are okay, but paperback is still huge in medical textbooks. It's very funny. I think I've sold like five copies of the Aussie Apocalypse in paperback, and I've got way more of that in the Awesome GP. Wow, and, and Awesome GP only just came out what we was less than six months ago. About six months. About six months. Mm. I, was, I was thinking about that because I think I got the Find Away Voices payment for it recently. I was like, oh, that's nice. And. Yeah, uh, you know, find away voices is, is, uh, is a fine medium. Like, well, I'm grateful to them for putting us in touch and for the services they provide, even though the royalty check you take is less, mm. and that's that's okay. They're providing a service, I guess. Um, Indeed. What else is going on with you, Chris? Like, what's next for you? I, I'm off to have a kid, so I'm out of action for about six months. So what, what are you doing? What is, what's up with you? Well, look, just to sort of uh, tie off the whole NFT thing, um, I, after meeting all these people that I was mentioning at, at, at Carriage Works, all the university alum, um, they were having a panel discussion. And, I'm, and I, as I said, I was there to learn, uh, listening. And they're saying, they were saying a few things. And I was like, they were talking about, they were talking from an academic point of view. And, and I actually said, has anyone actually minted an NFT on the blockchain here? And they were all like, no. And they're all saying oh, how difficult it is to do. And I'm like, well, because their, their whole point is art meeting technology, right? So all the artists, and these are the um, lecturers down in Wollongong, um, are looking to create NFTs of their artworks so they can sell the NFT as an authentication of the ownership of the physical piece of artwork. And they're like, well, the hardest thing is... So finding an NFT to the physical artwork. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, you could do... With an NFT, I could... You could you could sell me your house and we could make a smart contract on the blockchain and it's immutable evidence that there's been a transfer of sale that can never be changed until it's, um, until it's either burned or sold again or, or you know, there's, it's, um, it's basically like a, having a contract. We sign a contract on paper, but it's, you, do it, you do it on in the um, online world. So you can actually have, give someone a... a it's it's not the picture of it that's an, of an NFT that's worth the value. It's actually the code behind it and what it does. It's called utility. So Wollongong University are very interesting in being able to 
transfer ownership of an artwork um, and then have that owner of the artwork be able to transfer it on the secondary market by on-selling their NFT, which is basically on-selling contracts. So I piped up a couple of times and said, well, actually, it's, I don't think it's the creation of the... All I have to do is take a photo of your artwork. I can, in an afternoon, you've got a full NFT library. It's actually the getting being able to sell it and consumer awareness and education. So after that, after that day, they um, I'm invited down to Wollongong Uni next week, and I'm going to meet with some of the lecturers in the in the art department, Creative Arts, which that's actually where I went to uni for acting as well. So it's like I'm getting called back to Wollongong Uni. And um, I'm going to meet with the, the arts artists and the computer science people and the and the commerce people. So hopefully, if all goes well, we can use Book Club Audio as a case study about the implementation of the utility of NFTs as um, as a way to authenticate ownership of a digital asset and therefore mitigate piracy. That's pretty much the the elevator pitch of what I'm trying to do. So I'm. Chris, I'm super excited because I, did, I didn't realise when I was following the breadcrumbs of creating what I'm creating that it would lead to this. So that's that's what's happening in that space. Um, I'm working on a... Because um, there's audio books and audio dramas. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the difference, but audio dramas are basically like music and sound effects and usually a full cast of actors doing... Um, yeah, doing an audio. Mist at the moment. Um, what's Mist? Uh, Mist is something spinning off Critical Role, I think, which is a sort of a full audio drama. And I really used to like listening to something called The Thrilling Adventure Hour, which was okay. um, a series of improv audio dramas uh, on podcasts. I think they still have them there, but very, very interesting stuff. Uh, carry oh, on, sorry, I cut you off. Oh, no, that's cool, man. Having a, having a combo, I hit a hard comma and you jumped in on top. <laughs> um, I did. So, yeah, I, did, I was actually super lucky enough, and I can't speak too much about it, but I just did a, um, an, an audio drama with, uh, with the Listener app, which is um, an extension of Triple M, and uh, there's, there's some interest from the people that made the Underbelly series. So we just finished an audio drama in multi-million dollar studios in the city, and it was when I, I played... Uh, uh, I can probably wow. say I played the junkie character Baz. <laughs> Let's do it, ah! you know. And um, that was super cool. So, um, and audio dramas, full cast audio dramas with full cinematic sound effects and uh, music. Uh, that looks. There's some big interest from up, upper level corporations for that as a as a medium. So, especially after doing Aussie Mana, I was like, okay, well, that's with a full cast. It's like. I can play a full cast, <laughs> you know. So you can. my next that's brilliant, actually. So my next project is creating a um a, an hour and a half long audio drama, and it's called Camel and Crow. It's written by my mum because she's a ripper writer. Because I said to her, No, really? Yeah, yeah. Because I said, Mum, look, I've got. I've got these lit RPG, I've got drama, I've got um, autobiographies, I've got all this stuff, but I don't have any kids' books. And mum's like, I'll write your kids' book. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and Sorry, she said, yeah, I said, what should, she said, what should I write about? And I said, uh, I don't know, the, the sleepy puppy. So she wrote me seven cool stories about the sleepy puppy. 
Uh, well, one of them's called Wake Up Max, and then there's the the um, Bob the Unicorn, and all these all these lovely stories. So I, I and it was pre- it, it re- I realised pretty quickly as I started the the project that these were stories to use as sleep aids and and anti anxiety for children. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And then that also flowed onto maybe a bit of inner child work as well, you know. So I titled it. Um, um, Oh, what was it? Uh, calm. Uh, oh, I can't remember the exact tag, tagline, but it was basically like to help young ones rest and to calm your inner child, something like that. It's really, really cute. So finished that one, and then Mum did Lucy Dreaming, which I made more like lucid dreaming. So it's about imagination. And then the third one was some of my little brother's uh, uh, stories from when he was a, a kid, uh, called the Tap Dancing Dinosaur. So, and he unfortunately passed a couple of years ago. Um, so it's a tribute, it's a tribute to him. And we're going to do an almanac of all three together and um, have that as a hardcover and then the audio book pairing as well as a, as a legacy for him, which is, um, and they're beautiful stories, you know, it sounded like Kevin the Kookaburra and uh, Lucy the Crocodile, all this, all this stuff. And just, but I added music and then some lovely sort of sound effects and, that kind of led on to mum writing Camel and Crow about this this camel lost out in the in the desert, Simpson Desert, and he's like, I don't know where I am. And he hears this, Ah, what are you doing, hump brain? You've been walking around for three days. <laughs> he goes, I think I'm lost. And he's like, You are. <laughs> and um, so what ends up happening is the is the crow and the kangaroo and the lizard and the emu, they all realise that this camel can run pretty well. So they take him to the camel cup in Birdsville. And he wins the Birdsville Cup, and then the camel traders come and steal him, and then Mick the Black Tracker has to track him down, and um, it's this—it's a—it's an awesome journey. So, I've already created the artwork. Um, oh, it's hard to explain it over over audio, but it's got a—and um, I've spoken to some of my indigenous friends, and um, it's this is going to—I'm going to put all uh, indigenous music, so you know, like. Um, uh, uh, didgeridoo and just really lean into the into the um, respect for country and respect for the land and the 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 goal and that's all about execution of goal but once we have the final product uh, it'll be a full audio drama but I'll play all the characters and and narrate it and then the idea is 50% of sales will go to uh, an indigenous community and not into the coffers I want to put it into i've been talking to some of my indigenous friends one guy said oh just um what about give it to the you know the, the junior footy club in redfern and i was like well that's a that's a good start that's in a city but and then he said well what about a lot li- you know get a library going up uh, or or donate to the library or something so i don't know i've got to figure that out mate because i don't you know there's been a bit of a jump up and down of where the dollars have been going for the indigenous community so i want to put it into into something into you know, something tangible that we can see a result. And I know it's only small, but it's, you know, that's the that's the goal of this project. One, an awesome audio drama that's just going to be a total laugh, but still filled with respect and love, and then see see what see what we can do with a, a chunk of the change. So that's that's kind of my that's my goal at the moment. It sounds like you're all about love and respect, and and that's really important in producing a lot of these stories is you can really feel the difference when there's heart behind it it's just it's great i oh, think indeed, we're indeed. getting towards the end 
getting towards okay. the end of time, but you're a serial entrepreneur. You've really found the advantage and opportunity in all these different markets, and that's absolutely exciting to hear about. If people want to find your stuff or if people want to recruit your services for their Lit RPG books or cultivation books, and I can only highly recommend that, where should they find you, Chris? The easiest thing is to just go to bookclubaudio.com. You won't be able to, you, you can't miss me. Or actually, my SEO is pretty strong. If you put in Chris Miller Actor uh, into Google, you'll find me pretty quick. But Book Club Audio is the is the place to go, and uh, I'll do whatever what I'll do my absolute utmost to bring your story to life in the in the intention you wrote it, and with a little bit of magic on top. So when you listen back to it, you go, "Oh wow, I didn't even know all of that was in there." That's my goal. Fantastic. Well, Chris, that has been some magnificent banter. I have enjoyed throwing it with you. And we look forward to seeing further productions from Chris Miller. Obviously, anything we say on this podcast advice in relation to NFTs is not financial advice, and people should speak to their own specific accountant and obtain advice in that respect. But it is very exciting to see what's happening in the NFT space and protecting artists' rights and making sure that we avoid piracy where possible. Chris, you have a lovely day, and I look forward to hearing your next project. You too, Chris, and I look forward to talking to you again. It's great to finally talk to you in uh, person, online. I know. <laughs> I feel like I've just been sending you crazy briefs about men riding wombats and men fighting giant Aussie paraphernalia, and you've never, you've never met me face to face. But anyway, I love it. Uh, you have a lovely day. You're listening to the Lit RPG Banter Podcast, your source for all things Lit RPG, Game Lit, Isekai, Cultivation, and just for good old-fashioned banter. The Lit RPG podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Gamagal people of the Eora Nation, and we pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. If you love the show, we'd love for you to give us a rating, a review, or a share 